welcome to the ATB Fantasy Show. I'm Rich Maletto. You can find me on Twitter at Bodacious Beer, all one word. And I am I have the pleasure to uh, introduce you to my illustrious co-host, Daniel Martino. You can find him on Twitter at Nuggy underscore Wuggy with an IE at the end of both of those. We uh we are missing Paul today. We want to wish a congratulations to Paul and his wife on their one-year anniversary. I hope they are not listening to this podcast and living it up wherever they are at and enjoying each other's company. So congrats to them. Daniel, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I can't complain. Um, you know, the uh, had a decent day at the golf course. It was gorgeous here, and uh, they... Had a little challenge getting dinner, so we're a little late getting going here. But all in all, man, I can't really complain. Hey, we're here. We're having fun, and it's going to be a great podcast. That's, that's all I can say. You know what? I love the attitude. I love the excitement. Let's let's do it. So, Perfect. Uh, well, let's start off with what you drinking. All right. I'm going to start off today because I'm excited about this one. I, uh, I got myself an old-fashioned right now. Ha! <laughs> Yeah, so over the cl- past, I don't know, a couple months, I've been kind of finding ways to increase my drinking. I used to be, like, my drinking, my taste. So I used to just be, like, vodka and tequila and wine and wouldn't be able to drink anything else. So I've started, like, finding ways to make drinks that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I started with a... It's actually my little own version of a blood orange old fashioned. I put like a little dash of blood orange syrup in it, and I absolutely love it. It's so good. So that's what I'm drinking today. What about you, Rich? Well, I, I can't lie, I'm being boring today um, because I probably drank a little too much on the golf course. I'm drinking <laughs> water right now. Oh, well, wait, wait. Just like for Paul, boo. boo. I, deserve a boo. <laughs> I deserve a boo. But I will say this. On the course, I had a couple of uh, whiskey and ginger ales. Um, nice. And then at dinner, I also had an old-fashioned. Hey, that's 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 funny because the whiskey and ginger ale was the first drink I started with when I started drinking whiskey. So I, I can definitely appreciate appreciate those. I, I do enjoy I'm, – I'm old fuddy-duddy, man. I, I even enjoy ginger ale just straight up. But uh. a little tidbit for you. So – Anywhere I've traveled in the rest of the country, when I order an old-fashioned, it kind of just comes as is, right? Mm-hmm. When you're in Wisconsin and you order an old-fashioned, they give you like 15 choices. Huh. So when I ordered my old-fashioned tonight, my first question was, whiskey or brandy? Okay. And sweet. Did you go with whiskey? Uh, no, I actually went with brandy tonight. Uh, okay. Um, so I went with what they call a brandy sweet old-fashioned. Huh. You can also do, you know, I typically order them sweet, so I kind of tune out if it's dry or if it, I don't think it's really considered sour. I think it may be sour. But in Wisconsin, every time you order an old-fashioned, you get about 12 different questions to go with it. The guys, up, it was funny. I sat down, and the other two guys had old-fashions. The guy next to me had a whiskey old-fashioned sweet. Uh, the guy next to him had a brandy sweet. And the guy next to him actually had a whiskey sour. So. Got it. Okay. One of my favorite old fashions ever, it's actually right down the street from my house, is an apricot old fashioned. 
Ooh, that sounds oh, amazing. If you can have one of those, even if you just ask if uh, the I don't know if you frequent this club or the where you went where you golf, if you go there a lot. Um, if they just have like an apricot liqueur just to add to it, oh, it is phenomenal. I love it. Every time I get a chance, I go grab an apricot old fashioned there. I want to try that. The the best old fashioned I ever had was at a restaurant called um, Ocean Air, which for anyone listening or if you've ever tried it, Ocean Air is kind of a high dollar seafood place, but they literally fly in the, the fish. Oh, wow. They literally fly in the fish every day, so the menu typically changes a little bit. Um, they are kind of a chain. They are around. I don't know if I've got one out by you. It's not something you go to on a regular basis. I mean, it. I'm not going to lie. It. The first time I went there was to celebrate. I, I made a really huge commission check when I sold cell phones, and I was literally looking to, quote, unquote, blow money, and I heard mm-hmm. how awesome the place was. We went there. You're treated like royalty. It's an easy two-hour dinner or more. You will, oh, my God, dude, the food. My, my wife was never a big seafood fan. There are certain seafood she now eats because of stuff we've eaten there. Oh, it's an experience, I'm guessing. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's awesome. That's but anyway, they had this Guinness syrup-based old-fashioned. And wow. They, they made their own simple syrup that was uh, – I don't know if you want to cook down or simmer down with Guinness or whatever. Yeah. Dude, dude, that is I, interesting. I had like three of them the last time we were there. I couldn't stop drinking them. <laughs> the The bar tab was ridiculous for us that night. I, I think I drank as much in old fashions as it cost in the food. It was that ridiculous. <laughs> but, it, oh, so if you have an opportunity, you – you know, I know you're into real estate. If you've got that, that you know, that home run you hit with that sale on the home, uh-huh. you've got one near, invite a chick, take her out there, and I guarantee you, you you will be big pimping, man. That's all I'm saying. That, that let's, woman, let, let's just put in. it this way first. If I, if I invite a chick and not my girlfriend, I might oh, be in trouble. Okay. Let me rephrase. Just in case she (laughs) listens to this, I'm going to throw that out there. Babe, I'll take you. I promise. Don't listen to Rich. (laughs) No. I tell you what. You take your girlfriend. um, She she will make it worth your while that night. I promise you, dude. (laughs) All right. That's perfect. I'm going to have to look. You said ocean breeze? Ocean air. Ocean air. Ocean air. Okay. I will. um, And you know what? Um. I will send you. Because I'm curious, because they are kind of all over the place. Um, it's um, so it's one word, right? Yeah, Ocean Air. O O C E A N A I R E. I'm C- looking at one right now in San Diego. I say I think there's one in San Diego. I, it's I was- actually about like 15 minutes from my house in the Gaslamp District. So, yeah, the dining rooms are back open again with everything going on. Oh, I'm going to have to check this out. Now, make sure it's after you make a nice sale because I'm not exaggerating. The, oh, I'm the... looking at the prices right now. <laughs> I, 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 I get what you're saying. <laughs> I think the first time Man. I went, it was, a, it was a $250 bill between the two of us yeah. and, and a tip. And that was wow. low side, low side. But I, I'm not going to lie, man. It's I, worth I, it. It is. It is. Yeah. The, uh, the wife, she, she likes to be frugal. Um, the, the parents, uh, typically get us a gift card there once a year now, and she looks forward to going. So. Got it. That's awesome. 
So yeah, check that out. So anyway, I'll definitely add it to the add it to the list. Next sale for sure. Yeah, I'm saving. If, especially especially if it's one of those homes where you've been like eyeballing and you know you've been paddling and you've been working hard at it mm-hmm. and you've earned it. It's a good pat on the back, bro. Trust me. All right. Thank you. Thanks for that uh, tip right there. Yeah, no problem. So tonight, um, I know we are down to little Paul, but I'm looking forward to doing this with you, Daniel. I really am. I think this is going to be fun. I've got a few topics. I, I wanted to change it up like I mentioned to you earlier. I want to be a little more free, free-flowing, or free, free-flowing, if you will. Um, I don't want to be too rigid. I, you know, I think we have a lot of fun, and we share a lot of good info when we kind of just shoot from the hip. So I've got some generic topics for us. Um, the first topic I really want to talk about, uh, because really it's something I saw on Twitter is value. What really caught my eye is, um, Shane Swagger. I can't think of his Twitter handle off the top of my head, but he's definitely involved on, on Twitter. He was talking about perceived value and, and, and really thinking that it needs to change, try to make it more market stable, if you will. You know, if you think about the stock market, I'll use a perfect example. When COVID hit and the market took a tank, I started Mm -hmm. buying stocks, right? Because they were all quote unquote on sale. I felt like I was buying them below their true value, right? Knowing that or believing anyway, that six months, a year from now, they get back to true value. So why would I not want to buy them at a discount? Right Mm -hmm. now I may value the airlines industry, for example, differently than you do. You may see the airlines industry struggling for the next 10 to 15 years. And I don't want to speak for you. I'm just giving an example. For the next 10, to, next 10 to 15 years because COVID being around, people being afraid to travel, whatever. I may view it as, you know, six to eight months from now, I think people are going to hit the switch and be done with it. So we may both perceive that value differently. But in all fairness, the market is determined for us. Whether we want to make the purchase or not probably depends on our perceived value, but the technical value is documented, right? We know if we go to Delta's stock price, that's the price we have to buy it at if we want to buy it right now. Fantasy okay. football is a little different. We talk about ADP, and, and I you know, I know Paul's not a big fan of ADP, and I'm with him. I, It's a decent tool to use. Um, in fact, Daniel, we've talked about it. You're, you're not all hell in are hell bent on using uh, ADP either. It's a decent tool to use, but that's not really what the market is. I mean, let's be honest. We do fantasy football with the whole plan of we're trying to determine the value or the player's worth to us on our rosters based on what we think they're going to do in the future. You know, Patrick Mahomes, everybody was all in on him last year. Well, Lamar Jackson was the one you wanted to be all in on. But that was because of what he did in the past. We perceived what it what it was going to be, right? Exactly. And one thing so, I kind of I want to point out is this is how I kind of like to talk about this value when I'm talking about it and when I'm chatting with people is this is kind of like a little quote. Like I say, a player's trade value is worth nothing more than what any given owner will give up or trade for it with that person. So that's just the way I look at it. And if you value um, David Montgomery as the same as Patrick Mahomes, you're never going to be able to trade him. However, if you value David Montgomery 
as the same as Justin Jackson, how quickly you're going to be able to trade him. For that's sure. kind of the way – that's the way I look at it I'm talking about value. And, you know, I think that's a really valid point. Um, you know, I, I find trading to be somewhat difficult, and I think that's because oftentimes I view my personal players or the players on my rosters anyway probably more so than maybe you would, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I love your statement there. A player's trade value is worth nothing more than what any given over will give up. I think there's a couple of things that we could really take out of that. One, you and I being different owners may have a different value for that person. You having him or not having him may or may not be equal above or below how I view the person, whether I have them or not, right? Uh The other part of that that I think comes into play is there is somewhat of a market value. Maybe I view somebody at a higher value than everybody else in the league in your example with Patrick Mahomes if, if you truly believe David Johnson is at the same level as Patrick Mahomes you're right good luck finding a trade partner but mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're wrong either you may very well be 10 months from now we may be joking about man who would have thought David Johnson would be a top five running back I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't want anyone getting wigged out or thinking I'm on <laughs> rocker. But in all fairness, we are future talent. We're, we're trying to do our best to project or assume or believe what somebody will be in there or what they will be worth it later on down the line. The point being, though, and, and I, what I really want to kind of highlight here is I love how you, you put it in terms of trade value because when we're drafting – we're not really drafting based on what we think we're going to be able to play trade a player for. However, that is really what the market value is, right? Exactly. If, if you want that player or player a or team a wants that player or team B or so on, they're only going to be willing to give you what they think is fair compensation. At the same Mm -hmm. time, I'm only going to be willing to move that person for what I believe is fair compensation. A hundred percent. So let me ask you this. Do you think there's a good way? Like I mentioned the stock market, there's so many expectations involved. There is somewhat of a monetary value that is set, right? Uh Do you think there's a way to do that? Or have you seen that done that in fantasy football or do you think that's just a, a given nature of the challenge of the beast, if you will? I think we are at – oh, that's, that's, that's a tough question that you just throwing at me because that wasn't in the script for sure, Rich. I, I know. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> no, no, I like the tough question. Right at the hop top of my head, I'm going to say it's impossible to get a perfect system. There's I, nothing that we're going to get as close to the stock market if we're looking how, like, it's you either you do it or you don't. I think that the closest that we have are trade calculators. I personally think that if there was – it's just it, – I think you're uh, right. Just, just so you know, Daniel, I, I, I think you're – here's why I think it's different, okay? In the stock market, you typically are going through – an intermediary 
right? Yep. They're, uh-huh. they're, whether it's E-Trade, whether it's Charles Schwab, whatever it is. And you have and, – and here's the other thing. You have – let's just take Delta. There's how many thousands of shares available, okay? We know what they're being sought, bought, and sold for. There's no real way to do that in fantasy football. You're dealing exactly. with a, you're dealing with a one-on-one scenario. And so it ultimately comes down to your perception and my perception. And I know this sounds stupid and people get kind of irritated with it, but perception is reality. And I mean, that can apply to many different things, but oftentimes whether something is true or not, it really comes down to how we perceive it. Now, I don't want to get into facts and evidence when you're talking about articles and people and whatever, but when you're talking about future telling with output of production of a football player, I don't know another way to do it. It, it, Your perception is going to be based on any number of scenarios. My perception may be, I tell you what, you and I are perfect examples. I typically put a little bit more faith in coaching schemes, for example, than you do. Mm-hmm. You are you are much more into the talent of the player. I'm not going to say you're wrong and I'm right and vice versa. What I am going to say is because of that, we may view players totally differently. You may view Miles Sanders, and I think he's a prime example, at a much higher value than I do. I have concerns with Doug Peterson. People can tell me I'm nuts. That's fair. You're banking it on, Rich, I've seen him play in college. I've seen him play in the pros. You're an idiot if you don't see the talent there. No, I totally agree. I just don't think his output may not reach his talent level or vice versa. So I, I completely agree with you. The biggest challenge with any – and this is where I think savvy players in fantasy football excel and why some people struggle a little bit is there's somewhat of a knack to it. And there is many different ways to slice that pie. I, you've had very much success with the way you have done things as I yeah. have. Yeah. So one thing I do kind of want to point out is, so you're, 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 you're kind of the, the, I want to kind of get back to why did this question come like, why are you kind of curious about this? Is it because you're kind of like, you're talking about trades and trying to figure out a way to make trading easier and, um, having a, a kind of a known value for each player. Is that kind of what you're, what you're I, saying? I think it's actually twofold. I think you have the trade aspect of it, which is what I really liked about your, your phrase there. But I think your phrase in regarding to trades also implies the drafting. You know, last week we really talked about don't, don't set yourself in stone when making a draft in Dynasty. Mm-hmm. That the value was to be found with the running backs. But don't force the pick at running back just because you want more running backs, right? If Michael yes. Thomas falls to you in the second round, that is one hell of a value, and you're foolish if you don't strike on it, right? Yes. But to your point, what really dictates that value? Is it because we know what his output is at the end of the year? I think that's part of it. Is it because we know what we can get for him in a trade? I think that's part of it. Do you get what I'm saying? I, I think yes. it's, it's I get, I 100% back, get what you're saying. It's peeling back layers on the onion, right? That I guess what I'm trying to get through to people is the way to really have success in fantasy football is making 
and I hate using this term, you know, especially with all the kind of um, talk out in the, the world today. You want to buy shares of production. Okay. I, I don't want to talk in terms of buying shares of players because yeah. that sounds kind of harsh, right? But we're trying to buy shares of production and we're trying to potentially trade those shares of production. The challenge is everybody's got a different perception, right? Exactly. So one point of that being ADP. We know when we go look at ADP, that is about as close to the stock market, stock market that we're going to get, right? It's, uh, it's numerous websites. It's numerous people. Um, you know, I don't care what program you use. All of them try to pull this information from numerous places. That said, ADP on Sleeper is different than ADP on MFL. It's different than ADP on Yahoo and so on. Some of the really good websites out there do their best to try to pull from multiple sites like that. It's some sort of given range. But like we've all talked about, you know, you, me, and Paul in the last two weeks, ADP only got you so far. That's a rough gauge. If you like a player, and you, and you said this last week, get your guy. Get your guy. I will stand by that forever. Get your guy. Now, let me ask you, though. What makes it your guy? Me personally, it's um, his. For me, the biggest thing is it's. Uh, oh my god, I'm blanking. It's it's the film test. Watching him and how do I feel about him? What when watching him play? Am I excited to watch him play? Do I do I feel like wow, this is this is an NFL player? That's one of the things that I really gauge my uh, like. When I, because I don't have many guys. Like, that's like, I'm not going to have people that, I don't have a lot of people where I'm like, I want this guy in every single league. Of course, these are very few and far in between because, yeah, they're all NFL players. But, like, I'll even give it for an example OBJ, amazing talent, right? Right. But I hate his team, like, yeah. his chemistry on the team, his work ethic. I, I don't know if you know about this, Rich, but I'm, I'm like I'm sure I'm five six. I was I played college. I played high school ball, but I like I did really well. I because I worked my ass off. I hit the weight room. I busted my ass. I gave it all every play. And I just I can't stand guys like that. So I'm not going to keep somebody like that. Um, it's just unless they're at crazy value. It's just it's like I'm I'm all about getting my guy and people that I enjoy watching. That's really important for me. Okay. But, that's just one thing that I use. I use a lot of ADP to like, um, not AD, like AD, I calculator. So I use calculators to kind of set my basis. And then I go off of my own opinion for like setting my values on players. If that makes sense to kind of what you're asking. That, that right there, you hit the nail on the head. And that's exactly what I was trying to get at. Different process, all the same. You're going after your guy because of what you see on film, which you see with the eyeball test. And uh-huh. I will be the first to tell you, you've got to pass the eyeball test. Okay. What you see with your eyeball test is determining your value for that player, right? Yes. Some other people are going to look at it and say, well, I don't care what Daniel saw on film. What I saw was OBJ make that one handed catch. What I saw was OBJ put up ridiculous numbers in 13 games. What I saw was this, that, the other thing. Okay, well, I'll play some devil's advocate. You know what I saw? 
I saw a guy that would drink water and had a bunch of core muscle problems. I saw a guy <laughs> that did seem to give it all all the time. I saw, you know what I mean? All these different things that play back into it. And I guess what I'm getting at, it all goes back to perceived value. And where I find that challenging is not only in trades, but drafting. And I think your example of OBJ, OBJ is a perfect example. I have seen him, excuse me, in best ball leagues go all over the place. I have seen him be in the top three, four rounds. I've seen him go in round six. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. I know you're not a big fan of OBJ, but if you had the chance of getting him as your wide receiver two or three, does he intrigue you at that point? I would pick OBJ in the fifth round, no problem. Like, if if he's, like, a great – like, but, I mean – of course, if there's other similar players, I'm going to pick him. But I'm going to pick those other players. But say OBJ is available in the fifth round, I have no problem taking him there. I just – my thing is I'm not going to take him when I can take uh, Cooper Cup. Some people may have different values on them. I value them pretty similar. I'd rather have Cooper Cup um, because I'm a big story guy. I love the storyline. I'm a Rams fan. So you know what? I'm going to watch the Rams games, so might as well have the fantasy player as long as I'm getting them at the value. That's my biggest thing. So I have no problem drafting any player as long as I personally see the value there. That's the biggest thing, my perceived value of that player. And it's going to be different than others, and that's why a dynasty startup draft is one of the most interesting things I've ever like observed and taken part of. The, the value is just – it's just all over the place, and you see trading happen. It's, just, it's so interesting to me. Actually, I, I love it. No, I, I can totally see that. I think a prime example of that, um, rookies, right? It's amazing mm-hmm. in a dynasty draft, especially a startup dynasty, where do some of those rookies go? I have been in drafts where they all went off the board right off the bat, right? I have been in other drafts where they were kind of spattered throughout. And again, it comes down to your team. You know, this goes back to if you really want to have success in your leagues, know your league. Know the people who play in the league. Know some of their tendencies. This is no different than poker. All right. Were you reading my were you reading my notes? Because I have that written down here. No, somewhere. I actually don't didn't, man. That just <laughs> yeah. my bad, bro. No, 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 no. Oh, I don't care. I I, I love it how we are we're thinking that. Um, one thing I do kind of want to point out, I don't want to don't forget your what you're saying, but what we we've, we've we're very similar in a lot of things. I compare. Um, I use the term assets. I use the term dropping in value. I, I compare it to stock market. I, yeah. I play. I compare players to stock market because I think it's 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 they're very similar. I agree. Very similar, and you do the same. So I like that, and I think it's so uber important to read and to learn about your. Um, your, your manager, like people you're playing with. Well, you know, you mentioned something earlier too, that, you know, you're a Rams fan. And, and so that's partly why you're a fan of cup. Look, I don't think either of us would really promote Hey, be a Homer, right? Be a Homer and get all the players mm-hmm. from your team. However, part of the reason fantasy football, at least for me, really hit home was 
Um, I grew up a Browns and a Steelers fan. That's a whole nother topic for another day. People are probably letting their minds explode at this point when they hear that. But um, <laughs> point being is, you know, I moved to Minneapolis when I was about 12, 13 years old. I didn't get to see those teams play anymore. Okay. I had to watch mm-hmm. a lot of Vikings games. Um, and then after college and whatnot, I ended up moving to the Carolinas. So I saw a lot of Panther games. Well, when I did the drafts with everybody, guess what? Now, mind you, back then, we didn't have the info that we do now, okay? So storylines, in my opinion, almost carried carried you in many, many ways, okay? I had no problem drafting Carolina Panther players. Why? I was going to watch them play anyway. You got to watch them play. Right. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. So your storyline, the value to them, D'Angelo Williams. Now, I would also say – was D'Angelo Williams more valuable to me or did I have a better appreciation of his value because I got to see him play on a regular basis? Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Like knowing that you're a Rams fan, I'll call you up mid season and leagues we're not in together and be like, yo, Nuggy, let me know what's going on here, man. Should I be all in this week on cup or, or is this a Robert Woods day? You know, what's going on with golf? Do I need to be worried? And I'm going to trust your input and your insight because guess what? You've been watching. So my value on those players may have a direct relation or correlation to you because I trust your info. Does that make some sense? Am I making some sense? That makes complete sense. And I still take that Homer narrative. Like, I'll, I'll never forget. I, last year, I really wanted to trade for David Montgomery. And this guy in my league goes, man, dude, I'm from Chicago. And this is one of the greatest players we've had in so long. There's no way in hell I will ever trade. Him. And I was like, okay, that, that makes sense. Like, I get it. Like, um, it's just, but I also target managers like that. So if I know specifically that somebody is a huge fan of this team, if, if uh, let's say, They have a Packers logo, and I'm looking to trade Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to go towards them because I know they may be a little more biased to him than some of the other uh, managers in my league. I'm going to target them first to see what value I can get. So, not that I'm. Go ahead. What are you saying? No, go, go, go. Not not that I'm going to give up more to trade for them. I'm just going to hit them up first to see what I could get from them. No, I, it, you know, I'm looking through some of the things we talked about and, and you hit the kind of the nail on the head there. There's, there's two things I'd like to highlight with your example there. You know, you mentioned to me that some, some teams are only going to be willing to trade if they can quote unquote fleece you. Right. Yep. And, and in that scenario, you're not necessarily looking to fleece them. What you're looking to do is play off of what you believe their perceived value is. Right. In my mind, exactly. in my mind, that's a totally different thing. I, I'm not a big fan of this. Who won this trade? Well, in my mind, you both should win. A good trade is one that benefits you both. Now, maybe me as a homer or fan, picking up that player makes me feel better, and more excited about my team I'm cheering for. Maybe it doesn't make me a winner, but if I'm happier about the team I'm cheering for, that's still a win for me. You, on the other hand, going, well, I just wanted the better player, and I think I got the better player to help my team. At the same time, 
maybe that's one in the same. Both of us are getting a player that helps our team. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm right with you. I once traded in a keeper league Aaron Rodgers to a Packer fan for his first-round pick because I wanted Zeke. I knew if I, yep. if I, wanted, if I was going to get Zeke, I needed the first overall pick. So guess what? People mm-hmm. are like, well, I can't believe – and the funny thing is I offered him Aaron Rodgers, Devonta Freeman for that first-round pick. Now, mind you, this was when Freeman was, was still with Kyle Shanahan, okay? Okay. No, I'm good with Aaron Rodgers. You don't need to give me Freeman. Okay. I mean, I, wow. I was trying to overpay because I knew that, you know, you had yeah. a high value. And in my opinion, it was a very high value. I had mm-hmm. to be willing to give up something. And I was already kind of fading on my love of Aaron Rodgers at this point. I wanted to be off the train before it was too late. I feel like I got off at the right time, in all fairness. Um, but that again, that all. Oh, I guess what I'm getting at, this all goes back to perceived value, right? And I kind of want to, as we jump into this perceived value, I kind of want to set, like, give some examples. So when I'm trading, I have different mindsets going into the trade. So for so one example is I am coming into trade because I need to improve X position. I have, I have, I have a couple leagues where I have absolutely stud wide receiver course. I mean, just, I have Kenny Galladay, Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin, uh, and Michael Thomas on the same team. Oh, wow. Like, just absolutely stud course. But it's all, I start one, one running back leave, and I only have Kareem Hunt. Ooh. So, uh, well, I have, I, that's like my only, like, that's my best one. I think I have like Kareem Hunt and Tariq Cohen. So I only have to start one running back. It was, this was a dispersal draft. But in that league, if I'm going to be making a trade for a running back, I'm going to target somebody that's running back heavy and wide receiver light because that's going to be a trade that makes both teams win. Another example is if I don't really need to make a trade and somebody – offers something to me or brings up how this person's on the block, I'm going to be going into that trade with a little bit more of a, I want to win this trade, this trade mindset because I don't have to make this trade. I don't, I, I feel good about my team. I don't need this to improve my team. So that's, I'm going to be going in with that mindset. Whether that's right or wrong, that's how I do it. Cause I'm, I, I'm, I'm very superstitious so I'm like, uh oh, am I am I jinxing myself by trading away this player? I, I've now that I have shares of pro, almost freaking every player now with all my teams, I, I kind of steer away from that because it's like, well, I trade them away in this league, I still have them in this league. Sometimes it cancels each other out. But I'm also, if I don't have to make the trade, and it's approached to me, I want to win a little bit more than I want to make it a fair trade. That's just how I am personally. However, like I said in the first, those are kind of my two mindsets when I come into trade. Do you kind of are you more on always making a fair trade, or do you do you kind of get what I'm saying by that second second example? I I have a tendency to overpay in trades. Okay. Okay. Um, 
the trades that I seem, you know, when I offer fair trades, I, I don't seem to get it always. I always feel like people are wanting more. Again, I want to win the trade. I want to win the. Tra- that's not my intention. Okay, mm-hmm. but that's the vibe I get. And maybe it's the leagues I'm in versus the people I'm trading with. Um, it, I find myself consistently what I believe overpaying for someone. But that's because I felt like in the years past, I've done a good job with depth. And if I'm going to make a playoff run, I want that top tier. So maybe I'm trading OBJ and Miles Sanders, okay, to get Michael Thomas and Tony Pollard, okay? Mm -hmm. My thought being I have Zeke. I'm just giving it a, a, you know, this is a hypothetical, but in this scenario, of course. this scenario, it's because I have Zeke. Um, and obviously I feel like Michael Thomas is a big upgrade over OBJ. So in that scenario, I would be telling you, Oh my God, you way overpaid for those two people. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe Kenyon Drake's not a good example, but he said, I, what sorry, you, you said you said Miles Sanders. I'm sorry, Miles Sanders. It's okay. Um, you know, again, it comes back to perceived value, but to answer your question, I find myself overpaying to get the player that I want that's going to make my team better. And, you know, there and, and oftentimes I have to tell, I mean, I don't know how many times I've told the guy, I've been like, look, I'm, I'm giving you more than I'm getting back. No, no, I don't believe it. And there's been a couple of times where three, four weeks later, I hear from him, yeah, I should have done that deal. You're right on this guy. Well, <laughs> you know, like, I, I tell you what, I was really hurting in the league, and I tried to move Nick Chubb. It was before he was starting when Hugh Jackson was still there. And I kept telling the guy, guy, look, he's going to be the starter in a few weeks. I don't have the luxury of waiting a few weeks. You're into the playoffs, or damn near it. He's going to be a stud for you for the playoff run. Because he's like, well, I'm looking for studs for the playoff run. I'm giving you a stud for a playoff run. It may not appear it right now, but why are you holding on to three quarterbacks? I need a quarterback. I'm willing to take this other backup running back because I have half this backfield. I'm giving you a stud. You have the luxury of waiting three weeks when this guy pops. No, 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 no. Well, a month later, wow, you were really right on Chuck. I told you, either Hugh Jackson's going to be fired Hyde's going to get hurt, or there's going to be a light switch that finally goes off that says you need to put him in, but it's going to happen. Well, you know, and maybe maybe some of the lack of trading comes from lack of credibility. I don't know. You know that. So would you say you do you trade a lot? Because I, okay, see, I have no problem overpaying for my guy, but that's very rare for me. I also trade a lot. I, I enjoy trading. I enjoy negotiating. I enjoy all that's one of my favorite parts of the game. That's why I kind of have that mindset when it comes to uh, the trade. That's why I have that different mindset because I'm a pretty active trader. You could literally hit me up 24-7 and be like, let's talk trades, and I'm going to be down no matter what my scenario is on the team. But it, like I said, that's going to be more my exam- my second example. That in that situation, unless I that team needs really needs something, I'm gonna be wanting to more win that trade. 
that's just that's just the way I kind of I, I set up my teams and I that's how I kind of I trade. I also am on the side that people need to get away from that winning the trades, that they need to do what's fair for each team, in my opinion. I agree. Um, and just uh, – I, I did – because I was looking at this team I was mentioning to you, and I kind of want to just – I'm going to take a quick little break and read through these wide receivers because I didn't realize how stacked this wide receiver core is until – I went and checked back. So I'm going to take a little break. But Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Tyler Boyd, Robbie Woods, Marvin Jones, Brandon Ooh. Cooks, Robbie Anderson, and Sterling Shepard. Wow. Holy shit. I did not realize how good that team was. And I'm kind of stoked for that team now. So just wanted to throw that team out there and like, hell yeah, I'm excited for it. You ever get excited for one of your teams? Like, oh, yeah, I can't wait for the season to start for this team. Yeah, last year I think I I, I irritated a league mate because we're going through and I didn't realize I was looking and I'm looking at my team and I go, damn, damn, <laughs> you all are in trouble. Like, yeah, I really like this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, sorry, I just I just had to get that out of the way. But yeah, I mean that's just that's the way I look at trades. Whenever I'm, I, I kind of just, I take my scenario and my team into account, and then that's how I go into my negotiations. No, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. Well, you know, I think we've covered kind of, you know, a lot of the trade stuff and values and, and even drafting. Um, you know, I, the bottom line, I think people need to understand. One, if you're going to change somebody's mind, you're going to have to change their perception. Okay. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean browbeat them. I I can't stand the people. Well, you're an idiot for not trading with me. You're an idiot if you think this way. No, 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 no. If you think Miles Sanders is an upgrade over Kenyon Drake, sell them why you think it's that way. Don't don't. You know what? Well, I hear where you're coming from, but you know Miles Sanders, the old line there in Philly, is really top notch. And in Arizona, it's not, or vice versa. You know, I could turn around and tell you, you I'd rather have Drake over Sanders because I think Drake's going to be on the field more. I think he's going to be on the field for 70 to 80% of the snaps. I don't think Miles Sanders will be. Oh, but Rich, Miles Sanders is getting a lot more out of less of those snaps. Fair enough. My point being is you're going to have to change their perception. If you don't, don't get mad about the trade not working. Understand we're all looking into a crystal ball here and we're mm-hmm. all going to see it differently. Okay. Not everybody likes a big, fast roller coaster. Others really do. Some people don't like that risk to come with the potential payoff. Some people would rather have a lower payoff and less risk. It really depends on the person. So don't. Don't get hung up on it and just please understand perception is reality when it comes to values in fantasy football. It really is, in my opinion. Yep, and I feel the same exact way. All right, well, let's let's move on to the next topic. I think we did a pretty good job on that one. Um, my question to you, 
What are your concerns with COVID and football in regards to fantasy? Oh, I immediately, the first thing I worry about is um, what are injury concerns pretty much and rookies. And actually, sorry, injury concerns, rookies, and the players with bad worth ethic. The ones that are not having to be go join go into the training camp and they're working with coaches so they don't have a choice but to work. The ones that are just sitting on their ass and doing nothing right now. Those are my three concerns. So if um, a player gets injured in the beginning of the year, I'm going to be really, really concerned about them uh, for the rest of the year. Or somebody that has like major in- injury concerns. Trying to think of somebody off the top of my head. James Conner. I'm really worried about James Conner this year because is he going to be in as good a shape he's been in the past? Is he going to be in better? Is he, If he's in worse, we know he's had a big injury history. So how is that going to affect him by not having as much time and the same way to prepare? Those are kind of my three concerns um, with players. How do you feel about it, Rich? So I'm not as worried about some of the injury stuff. I, I am a little worried on the rookie side of things because I feel like especially, you know, I was on Twitter today and, and maybe, you know, I was, I was, I would say interacting with John Hansen, but I, he responded at least to a question. He's not as worried about the rookie running backs because in his mind, it's the easiest. You, you, you damn near can just step in and play that position. Mm-hmm. I I get that. I still have concerns. There's still blacking assignments. There's still timing with the O line. Now, you know, maybe he's coming from that by six, eight weeks into the season, that's a non issue. And you know what? That that very well could be the case. My bigger concerns are the last minute injuries that are popping up. That, that it, it's almost like a concussion to me. In that we may hear Saturday morning. Miles Sanders isn't playing. We may hear Sunday morning he's not playing. That's the stuff that has me concerned. I'm concerned about because of the policies around it, the quarantines. I'm worried about not having enough knowledge ahead of time. That's where my concerns are. Um, and and you know, played into the next spot here. I. I, you know, like we talked about briefly last week, I'm not a big fan of IR and redraft leagues. Dynasty, I'm all about it. But I'm not a fan of IR and redraft leagues, and I'm not a fan of using IR for a doubtful and out for one week, anything like that. I, I prefer it to be an IR spot, just like the IRs used in the NFL. That said, I'm, the leagues I'm running, I'm thinking long and hard, dude, about creating – almost a COVID spot or two mm-hmm. where I don't know. The concern I have is I don't know if any of these, as a commissioner, you're going to have to regulate it is the problem. The way I see doing it. Okay. I have no problem. If they're on COVID, you got a two week spot for them to be on. That doesn't penalize your team. The problem is, is that you have to manage that. I don't want somebody, I don't create an IR spot and someone keeps playing games and throwing somebody that's on doubt, doubtful there all week long while they carry an extra roster spot, and then Sunday morning right before the game's dropping people where no one else can pick that player up. 
that's where I get the concerns from. God. I I do think there's something to be said about it's going to have to be something managed around. I mean, just this week we heard about how many Cowboys, how many Texans, and then I just got an update while we were doing this. Somebody else tested positive for COVID. Uh, who? Um, shoot. Let me see if I can find it here. Oh, safety Kareem Jackson for the Broncos. Oh, man. Now, here again, that's a defensive player. But guess what? That's sure going to change the offensive scheming. Exactly. You know what I mean? Especially someone that's, you know, if you're talking about a shutdown corner being out. But Um, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think the biggest thing when you're looking at um, being your commissioner, being in charge of the league, is I took on my first like dynasty commissioner league last uh, last year, and what I did is I took a week and I typed out every single problem I could think of and set the rules for it. And I think that's the biggest thing that you can do is you need to set it in stone at the beginning of the year for as much as you can think of. So say, for example, if you you want to – you're curious about, okay, so what happens if somebody gets coronavirus during the year? Come up with a plan, set it in stone, and do not let it change throughout the whole year. That's kind of my biggest recommendation when it comes to being a commissioner in charge of leagues is making sure you do that. So as long as you have it and everybody knows exactly what's going to happen, they really there's no room to complain. And as long as you have an idea of what's going to happen, you, you can prepare for it appropriately. No, and I, I think you're right. And that's why I'm kind of talking about it now, because I think, mm-hmm. I think we need to be cognizant of the fact that here's the deal. You're foolish if you don't think a player tests positive for it that they're not going to be on a two-week quarantine. Bruce Arians is talking about keeping quarterbacks separate in quarterback meetings because he's worried that if his star quarterback ends up with it, his backup quarterback, is they're both going to have to be quarantined, and he's going to be counting on the third quarterback. He came out right and said that as much. Yeah, I, so, I, I read that article, and I thought that was interesting. Um, but it, it, it makes complete sense when you really think of it. Right, right. I, that's what I told someone. I said, I tell you what, I want to hear more about coaches that are doing this. Mm-hmm. Because coaches that are doing this, they're being prepared. They're, these are the, the Bill Belichick's, the Bruce Arians, they're going to be prepared when other people aren't. That's crucial. A hundred percent. Because I tell you what, maybe I don't have Tom Brady. Maybe I don't have Tom Brady's backup. Okay. But it's going to impact Godwin. It's going to impact Evans. It's going to impact all these guys, you know. So this is why I'm sitting here. And, and like I said, I'm not a big IR guy. And I'm sitting here telling you, Daniel, I'm, I'm looking at adding two spots on at least a couple of leagues I run. And I'm going to tell everyone up front, these are for COVID. 
These are not just arbitrary suspension spots. These are not arbitrary, um, doubtful, but it's meant to be. They test positive for COVID. They're going in this spot because we know for at least the next two weeks, they're not playing. They're in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to my next question. Are you are you a big handcuffer, and what is your thoughts on handcuffing some of these studs? Because I I know some people only believe in doing it for running backs. I I have handcuffed multiple positions depending on the team, the player, the situation, etc. Um, I think handcuffing is going to be more valuable in in twenty twenty, especially with all the COVID, uh, right, all the stuff that's going to be going on from that, but. Just because COVID's not going to be forever, I'll talk a little bit about my philosophy on handcuffing before, like before this all happened. I think that I'm, I'm at, I'm all about grabbing the handcuff if the value is there. Of course, don't overpay for the handcuff. In my opinion, that's how I feel. However, mm-hmm. if you say, for example, uh. You, you want Zeke. Zeke is your guy and you want him. And you go out and you overpay for Zeke. Okay. I think then you have to grab the handcuff. Because especially if Zeke leaving, getting hurt devastates your team. I'm not saying you should go trade in that case. But I'm saying if you're in that spot where Zeke, or, or one player, is your team. I, maybe it's a smaller lineup, whatever it is. But if this one player is your team, I think it is a must that you have that, their handcuff. That's just the way I feel about it. That's the case where you, I think you must have the handcuff. I'm also not the biggest on handcuffing. So maybe you can talk a little bit more on your experience because you said you, you, you prefer to have the handcuff. I have been known because and, – and this goes back to – systems coaches schemes okay mm-hmm. um i i have been known to handcuff quarterbacks okay i have been known to not even carry i'll carry two quarterbacks and to be a handcuff and you go well why the fuck would you do that when you've got nothing for a bye week you're right and when that bye week comes up i'll figure something out maybe i've got a player hurt maybe i drop somebody else Maybe I dropped the backup that week. I've done that. Carry the backup, carry the backup. They're on bye. Well, nobody's going to pick up the, the backup quarterback while they're on bye. There's nobody getting hurt typically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I want that coaching quarterback. I want that system, that system quarterback. I've done that with receivers. Um, you know, I don't know if I've ever really done it with a tight end, to be honest with you. But I've done it with running back, receiver, quarterback. Um, heck, I've even done it with a kicker. Granted, I had an <laughs> IR spot to use, but I went ahead and got the backup kicker because I liked the scenario and the situation they were in. Because those things are important to me, like I said, I, I do believe in handcuffing. The concern I have this year, I, I'm not going to be able to change my approach. I can't go handcuff everybody. There's not enough roster spots. Unless my solution as a commissioner is we're going to double the roster spots. I would argue that's a horrible way to do it, though, because the savvy owner out there, 
they're just going to keep loading up their roster with upside talent. That would be the smart thing to do. And that's why I kind of go back to I'm really considering creating some COVID spots because I, if you've got a stud, I don't care what position it's at. If you have a stud, I do think you should handcuff. And maybe this is me speaking because that's how I would normally do it. But your example is Zeke. Okay. We know Zeke tested positive for COVID. Let's say this is week three of the preseason. Well, let's say it's week three of the regular season. You're going to be hating life for the next two weeks if you don't have Tony Pollard. Just saying. No, 100%. Now, you're going to hate it. You're going to be hating it. Now, at the same time, let's say Gronk comes down with it. Maybe this isn't a great scenario because O.J. Howard. But I can't see anybody backing up Gronk with O.J. Howard. I can't, okay? Uh-huh. So, so let's say Gronk comes down with it. Are you really going to carry O.J. Howard or try to have his backup just in case? I can't. I can't. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, it's, to me, it's very similar to the injury bug. You can't predict what's going to happen. And each player, each manager knows that, the knows that coming into the season. So you either leave it as it be, add the IR spot, or something else you mentioned was considered doing a best ball format for this year. Which, now, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Because I, I'm very curious to what other people think of that. I, I totally agree. As long as you set it up on the front side and everybody agrees to it or the majority agrees to it, what have you. But, I mean, as far as implication, the fact of changing it up for the year, what are your overall thoughts of going that route for one year? Um. I personally think that – so from what – I have not done a lot of best ball leagues. This is my first year doing them. But my understanding is in typical best ball leagues, you take the highest score for like – you're not doing week-to-week matchups. Is that how you understand – is that how best ball work or is it week-to-week matchups in best ball leagues? So all the best ball leagues I've done now, I'm, I'm doing a new one this year that's a little different where it's still head-to-head, okay? So I've done best ball leagues where it's more like a baseball. Have you ever done fantasy baseball? Yes. Okay. So you know in fantasy baseball, it, it really a lot of people prefer to do rotisserie over head-to-head. That's a pretty common thing, right? Mm-hmm. Although head-to-head's still out there. Um, best ball, is, as a general rule, is typically more rotisserie style. You're trying to achieve the most points each week, and then it's totaled up for the whole year. I am in one that we are doing head-to-head, but here again, it's head-to-head, but it's your best lineup. So after all the games are played, the computer or the system, what have you, determines what your best lineup is by points possible, right? Personally, I think that way is the most similar if you're going to switch to this i can see some banders arguing i didn't draft my team according to best ball formats right so i think by doing that matchup that head-to-head is the best situation if you're going to be making that change if that makes sense no that does and i would say that the another reason that would make 
more sense, if you will, if you go that route. Look, a lot of these NFL leagues, if you if you weren't doing rotisserie already or you weren't doing total points, I think you're going to have a hard time getting your league members. I think the league members prefer to do the head-to-head. Exactly. I get, I get it's more lucky, as I use air quotes here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's some fun in it that way. Um, and, and I'll be frank, for those people listening, you do have to draft a little bit different for best ball than you do a typical redraft. And, and, and all I'm going to say on that is it pays to be a little more risky with high upside guys in best in best ball, because when they flop, it's okay because it doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about setting the roster. The next it's most likely have- not going to be a five point game or right. zero point game on your lineup. That's no. That's yep. Exactly. I get it. Mm-hmm. In fact, nasty Nate. He's he's a big fan of only doing best ball. He thinks that's the only way to do it. He does huh. head to head, but he thinks that's the best way to do it. And I've talked to a couple other people that like to you know just gamble as a general rule. And I think from their perspective, it's I just got to go out and get the best players. I don't have to worry about it after that. Yeah. In all fairness. I- you can run a lot more leagues if you do it that way. Exactly. But I enjoy the trading. I enjoy um, questioning myself and deciding which players to put in and making last-minute changes because I need to put this high upside flex on the Monday night football game. I love that part. I love watching up and, like, next player to do how to do bad. Yes, drafting is my favorite part. But, but I also love that part of the game as well. I, I don't disagree, Daniel. I feel like I get a leg up on some people by grinding the waiver wire and grinding my starting lineup. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, I know that it's, quote-unquote, a lot more luck with the head-to-head, but I also think there's some skill involved with that. It Matchups matter. Watching throughout the year and, and paying attention to matchups and things of that nature. That that matters. That has an impact. So, 100%. I, I'm with you. Um, you know, most of the best balls, like Nate, the one Nate set up, there's still lots of trading. If anything, there's actually more trading in that league than I've seen in most of the other leagues. Oh, um, I did not know that. Yeah. Now, his is, a, his is a dynasty. Now, the best ball tens I've done with Mike Dempsey and Bob Harris, for example, who – if folks out there like to listen to Sirius, they, they really do a good job of trying to get best balls out there with listeners and whatnot. Um, it's it's draft, it's done. That's all there is to it. You yeah, draft, I was, you're done. In the beginning, a couple months ago, I was probably two months ago now, I was trying to get like a – I was trying to do a little cool, little interesting thing where we did as many mock drafts as I could put together and – it was a dollar each team, so ten teams, a dollar each, and all of that money went to one big pot. And whoever had the most the most points out of all of the leagues that were there won the full the full pots. And it was that kind of setup where you uh, you just draft and you forget about it. You just at the end of the year you find out how you did. That's that's kind of how yeah. I like best ball leagues. Well, and, and the other thing I really enjoyed about that, 
I think they're way better than mock drafts personally. And that's why I was doing it. The way I looked at it is people are going to need, need to do mock drafts. My vote gives you a chance to win something at the end of it. Yep. Totally agree, man. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Well, I tell you what. We are doing – let me just double-check something here. We are doing a new segment that we're going to do as a reoccurring segment. It's going to be called Daniel's Golden Nuggets. It may be a golden nugget. It may be multiple nuggets. But these are Daniel's Golden Nuggets that he's going to hit us with. And these are going to be really any number of things. They may be secret info. It may be stats he's found. It may be a stance he's taken. It may be him going off on somebody just because he's tired of seeing something happen as far as, you know, benching this guy, talking bad about him, whatever. It is it is free reign for, for Daniel to hit us with his golden knowledge and any rants he likes. So I'm going to turn it over to Daniel right now, and let's hear what we got today. So today is going to be about me, in my opinion, putting a stop to a player that has been faded way too much this offseason because of the perception of the end of the season. So, um, Rich, you know, I'm going to be talking about Cooper Cup today. I, I mentioned him a couple times in our podcast, but I'm getting a little bit tired and a little bit upset about seeing Cooper Cup being trash-talked and faded because the Rams started going to two tight end sets on the field. So, just to set the stage for you, towards the end of the 2019 season, we did see the Rams more than double the amount of plays where they had two tight ends on the field. Um, that's called 12-man personnel. So from weeks 1 to 12, they used that 12-man personnel 14% of the times. And I don't know if you know this, Rich, but do you know how much they used it in weeks 13 through 17? Oh, not off the top of my head, but I do know because I looked at this earlier on because I had a debate on Everett and and Higby, um, and it it was a lot. I mean, thirty four percent of the yeah, time. Yeah, that is over doubling from that fourteen. Yep. And I will admit, okay, that is a huge. That's an increase. So I was like, all right, let's go check out Cooper Cup's production. I know they're saying how much his snaps went down, but I really wanted to look at his production and see how it changed. And I'm going to take a second, and I'm going to bash a website that I uh, was I really looked up to, but I'm a little disappointed now. ESPN yeah. um, gave me the wrong numbers for these Cooper Cup stats, and I'm a little upset because I have used ESPN while drafting just to kind of look at stats and stuff like that, making trades, and I've never thought that I needed to fact-check them. But they have the Rams schedule when you're looking up Cooper Cup stats all wrong for last year. So just everybody keep that in mind uh, whenever you uh, when you're looking at that. But let's let's forget that. Let's look at can, the numbers. Can oh. I can I interject something real quick? Yep, this, of course. This, this this does not surprise me with ESPN as an NASCAR fan. I can tell you, ESPN has gotten very lax in that department. If anybody is out there listening, and I do have one fantasy league on ESPN, I'm trying to get them converted. 
if you really want to know places to go do fantasy leagues, I can recommend easily five other websites first. Mm-hmm. Just throwing it out there. And I'm not even the biggest fan of Yahoo, and I will put Yahoo light years ahead of ESPN. So that, that, that's my little tidbit. No, yeah, that, that, that was part of my rant, too, because I was looking up stats, and I was just that didn't make me any happier about this Cooper Cup thing that ESPN, the numbers were all messed up. But, okay, so back to this. All right, so they went, they more than doubled in weeks 13 through 17. So how, how did that affect his production? Because that's all that matters, right? Right. How well he did. Over those weeks, five weeks, 13 through 17, Cooper Cup averaged a full, uh, 17 full PPR points per game. Most of my leagues are P for that one. So the next step I want to do is, okay, like, wow, that people so upset like, about Cooper Cup. Like, why is he being faded? Like, that still, still sounds like a good amount of points, right? Does that sound like a good amount of points to you, Rich? It does. Yeah. So let's figure out where he ranked amongst the wide receivers in those five games. I just want to look at just those five games and see – how those PPR points stacked up. So what I did was I just went to uh, Fantasy Pros and looked up weeks 13 through 17 and went first. The players that played at least a couple players to, and I didn't count those, so I didn't feel like it was fair. Cooper Cup was the 11th ranked wide receiver. So wide receiver in those 11. weeks. Yes, wide receiver 11. Um, why are you worried? That is still that's still a wide receiver one, and you're. I would say that's that's wide receiver one territory. And you're letting him fall to me in a dynasty draft at the 501. Um, I will take that all day. Let me pick up four great running backs and then have Cooper Cup as my wide receiver one. Uh, yes, please. So I just, me personally, I just don't under, understand how people are letting that wide receiver who's only been in the league for three years really proven himself fade, be fade out because of this stat saying that they started going too, uh, too tight. It just, to me, it just doesn't make sense, and I just kind of wanted to do my part to put a stop on it. Just just letting people know, hey, be careful what you hear, because you you need to look for yourself before you really make a, you make a decision. That's kind of that's what the point of this one is today. So, you know, let me ask you this, and I, I know I didn't mention this to you earlier. How much do you think that two tight end set was more because they were getting away from Cook? or Cooks, and counting on Woods and Cup at the receiver spot and then tight ends and trying to get some extra blocking for Gurley? Yeah, I think that, that's huge. That, 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 that's a huge – the part that people don't realize. I mean, yes, hindsight's twenty twenty. We see that they dropped Gurley. But think about how much money they paid Gurley. They wanted to get a little extra protection in him because they didn't want to lose a lot of their money. They needed to keep that – cash cow healthy 
and Brandon Cooks was hurt, so they didn't have. I mean, they don't have another. Like, yes, they just drafted Van Jefferson, but they don't have another really great wide receiver. So I just personally, I I, I could see them increasing on from that fourteen percent. I just I would be very surprised if they went to thirty four percent. But if they did, I want people to notice McVay still found a way to use Cooper Cup effectively. And you'll probably love this, but I trust McVay. I trust him. I trust that scheme and that he's going to be able to find effective ways to make Cooper Cup valuable because that's just what he does. He finds players and helps them make plays. He finds uh, opportunities for his great players to make plays. No, Um, I... I think, you know, they may not be at that 34%, but I do think they're going to be in that ballpark. You know, I did some looking at tight ends um, when I was first doing the first article I was looking at. Um, I never finished it because I kind of got off on a different tangent, went a different route. But one of the things I found was over the last few years, more and more teams are going to a two tight end set. They're also putting two running backs out there, and at least the teams that are having success running, they got two running backs out there. Oftentimes it's a fullback or they're moving that tight end to fullback. Mm-hmm. Or they're running the single back and they're running two fullbacks out there or two tight ends out there instead of a fullback. I I think you're onto something here. You know, they moved a thousand yard receiver in Cooks, who he's had that type of number everywhere he's gone, although he can't seem to stick around for whatever reason. <laughs> um and and I'm not, you know. I know they drafted Von Jefferson. I don't think Josh Reynolds is a complete slouch. You know, that said, and and they've got multiple backs there. They also drafted Cam Akers. That said, I I do think they want to be able to be a balanced team. And they have two athletic tight ends. So I see them, I see Cup playing a 80, 90% of the snaps, no problem. I think what you saw from Cup at the end of those those few games and the type of formations that the Rams were running, I, I do think that's something that you can kind of base off of what you, sh- what you should set expectations for um, for the upcoming year. I really do. No, yeah. And, I mean, he did – I will give the people credit when he did play less snaps. He was in, like, the 80 to 85 range – 80 to 90 range, depending on the game. And there was a couple games he was, uh, I mean, 60, 60% of the snaps. So there was a decrease. The average of those five games was probably close to that. If I'm all right at the top of my head, don't quote me on this, but it was about 70% of the snaps through the final five weeks of the season. But like I said, he still maintained production. That's all that matters. I don't care if Cooper, uh, Cooper Cup plays – 10 snaps, if he gives me um, 100 yards, five catches and a touchdown every week, I'm going to be ecstatic. Like, to me, that's I, – I understand the value of it. I know that's kind of – that's um, like a crazy scenario. He, it, I'm not going to be happy with that because I'm going to be worried about his opportunities. I know that's a huge part of uh, fantasy football. But it's, it's not like he was playing 10% of the snaps and putting those numbers. He was still playing 60 to 70%. Right. And in all fairness, I, you know, let me ask you this. 
Do you have any concerns with Woods at all? No. I, 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 maybe it is because I'm a little bit of a homer, but I just – I have seen what McVay has done to the Rams, and I fully believe that he's going to find new and effective ways to use those offenses. He's going he's gonna to find ways to uh, get the ball out of Goff's hand quicker, maybe screens, whatever he yeah. needs to do. And I just feel right. like once they let Cooks go, Brandon, uh, um, Robert Woods, and Cooper's Cup value skyrocketed. I mean, Goff was maintaining three wide receivers with a thousand yards, almost like that is right, right, right. That is awesome. So I'm really excited to see what he can do with just the two of them, and what that's going to do to the value of those two wide receivers. Yeah, I got you. All right. Well, I tell you what. Let's move on to. We're going to try to do this a little better this time, since hopefully I, I won't get us lost. <laughs> I want to move on to. I'm going to move on to three step drop. If you're up for it, Daniel. I'm ready. All right, man. So, I, I know there's going to be a lot of repetitiveness with with these questions today, but. The reason for that, at least from my perspective, I'm very curious about Damian Williams this year in in football. And I feel like where his draft spot is going, it's one of those you could perceive that his value is way under where he's getting drafted, or you could perceive that he's getting overdrafted for his value. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to largely depend on your opinion on rookies as a whole. Um, specifically, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But also, some of the, the veterans that are there, that are there with the way the rookies are coming in. So, there's a little bit of, of redundancy here, quite a bit actually, but I just want to get your take and, and put your redraft hat on for this. I, okay. I know for, Di- for Dynasty, these are these are almost all mute points, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I can vary. There's only a couple here where I may want uh, Mr. Damian Williams. So I, these other guys. I know usually Paul, uh, you usually don't comment on these. I would recommend that maybe on some of them you do. Cause I am a very low on Damian Williams. Okay. I have been since last year, um, like this time last year. So I am going to be straying away from him in a lot of cases. In almost all of them, but definitely I would love to hear your opinion because maybe you may even be able to convince me to change my mind a little bit. All right. Well, let's let's go for it here, all right? Perfect. All right. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Damian Williams? Uh, I, I Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for me. Yeah. Um, it, I guess in my opinion, it depends on how quickly you think the rookies are going to catch on. Uh, I'm coming around a little bit. In all fairness, I could totally see this being skewed to Damian Williams on the yardage point and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the touchdown point. I I don't know how much confidence Andy Reid's going to have right off the bat. I'm not as worried about uh, blocking schemes in that particular offense. That's just not something they've done. Um, The reason... To me, that's that's for a coin flip. I was close on this one. The reason I chose... Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was because of one thing and one thing only, Patrick Mahomes. 
I, I hope this is true or I'm going to look really dumb, but whenever um, it was draft time, uh, Andy Reid texted Patrick Mahomes and said, who do you want? And he said, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I'm all about storyline. And when your franchise quarterback tells you to pick somebody and then you go pick them, I think that that it's immediately, especially as a running back, he's going to be slotted into the position and he's going to do well. That's the way I feel about it. So before this COVID thing got out of control, because I know come draft time was already kind of in play. Mm -hmm. I was all in on Clyde Edwards Hilaire for one purpose only. Andy Reid compared him to Brian Westbrook. Yep. That's all that's all I needed. Uh-huh. All right. How about Damian Williams and J.K. Dobbins? Damian Williams. Interesting. I'm actually on the Dobbins side on this one. Backfield's too crowded um, over there. Uh, this is again, this is just redraft. So backfield's too crowded. Yep. Lamar yep. Lamar Jackson's gonna take too many carries away. Mark Ingram's there. Gessel Edwards there. I just don't think Dobbins is going to get enough opportunities. And and I'm of the opinion, I think, that you'll see him get some five to ten touches a game no matter what. That's kind of where I'm at with him. I think that's going to be consistent. And I think that's going to be the most one of the most prolific running games in the whole league. Oh, next year, if Mark Ingram leaves, J.K. Dobbins oh, is going to be the most – one of the most valuable assets of fantasy football. I uh, totally agree. Yep. Damian Williams or Marlon Mack? <laughs> I think I have to drink. You answer that one. I'll take a drink. <laughs> I don't I, even I'm, know. I'm all, I, I tell you what, I'm all in on Damian Williams on this one. Yeah. It's not even close for me. Really? It's not even close. I'm not a big Mack guy. And I tell you what, if I'm the Colts, I am sure finding a way to feed Taylor over Mack any way I can. Yeah. I mean, the next one's a lot easier for me, Taylor over Williams. I, is it Taylor over Williams? Personally, yes, it's Taylor over Williams. I, I don't disagree there at all. I just – I'm just – my biggest concern with Williams is what was the story with Williams last year? Oh, he's not going to be able to uh, play a full season. I'm talking like preseason yeah. next. He's not going to be able to play a full season. Preseason, that's right. Right, and he did. He did it. He was hurt a lot. He played eleven he was games. Hurt a lot. He missed five games. He was hurt. Yep. It's that concerned. Why is nobody talking about that anymore? Why are they only worried about Clyde Edwards-Helaire? They should be concerned about him playing through the full season again. Well, look at what they did even before they drafted Edwards-Helaire. They added more running backs. Exactly. That was crowded, and they added more. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Damian Williams or David Montgomery? David Montgomery. Yeah, I'm torn on this one, man. See that one? That one's a little easy I'm just for me. Struggling. That one's that one's well, a little easy for me. I I can get it. Why? I mean, we're sitting here now, and I think we could agree that David Montgomery's going to be the guy there in that offense, seventy, eighty percent of the time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we we know what Tree Cohen is, and he's not. He's not going to be one that just steals a whole pile. That said, you know, when I saw the report that Andy Reid said to start the year, Williams will be out there 67% of the time. I don't know, man. I just that's, I really that's, struggle that's, with that that's, that's coach speak. Um, Andy Reid is it obviously is. a great coach. He just won a Super Bowl. He's going to put out the best player on the field no matter what. 
That's true. And, You're right about that. And I, I mean, even Joe Burrow said, who is the best player you've ever played with? Oh, shit. I, yeah, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? He was at LSU. Am I totally, I, yeah. okay, yeah. yes. He, nope. You have okay, I was like, ah, oh, shit, I just shot myself in the foot. Yeah, even he said that was the best player he's ever played with. So, watching him play, seeing all, all these people, like Patrick Mahomes wanting him, Andy Reid listening and going to grab him, that is just speaking miles for me. Um, I just I think that he's gonna take a lot of snaps from Damian Williams right away. That's fair. And like we said earlier, running back is the easiest position to just plug and play as a rookie. Yes, it is. All right. Um Damian Williams or Devin Singletary? Devin Singletary, and I'm I will say that I'm higher than most on Devin Singletary. Uh, for me, it's here's the thing. I don't think Singletary is going to be the guy, so to speak. But we saw what we got out of Singletary last year when he wasn't the guy. When he wasn't the guy, and I would still rather him have him over an unknown Damian Williams. Yep, I feel the same exact way. All right, here's a curveball at you: Singletary or Moss? Singletary. Watching Singletary play last year. I was so excited for this upcoming 2020 season because I have him in one of my uh, dynasty leagues. Because uh, I remember I was only in four last year, so I had him in one of my four dynasty leagues. So excited for him. The Moss was definitely a, uh, you know, not a little, uh, it stung a little bit, but I'm still really excited to see what Singletary can, can do. All right. How about Damian Williams or uh, DeAndre Swift? Oh, I'm going to take Damian Williams just because he's tied to the Chiefs. There, It's it's close for me, but I'll take that high-powered offense. That's fair. And Over over the offense, we don't know what the hell we're going to get out of. Exactly. So then I guess this is assumed two Williams or carry on Johnson. It's got to be Williams for you. Yes, but it is a little closer towards the uh, carry on side, especially because of um, – like, they both have their injury concerns. Um, I just, man, carry on when he's on the field. He's electric, man. He's a great, great player. But I just, I don't know how long he's going to be if, on the field for. <laughs> I would say you said if he's on the field. Exactly. If he's on the field. Exactly. Well, I tell you what, um, that was a lot of fun tonight, Daniel. I appreciate that, man. That was I wasn't sure I was going to go without Paul, and um, I think it went pretty well. Yeah. I definitely missed some of Paul's thoughts on a few things, for sure. I'm excited for him to uh, get back, and we can have him on again next week. I, uh, like you're saying, I definitely missed uh, having that, that third opinion. That, uh, it's, it's, it's nice to have that third opinion most of the time. Yeah, I hear you. Now, um, I just a heads up, I may not be available for the following so, okay. Unless you guys want me to call in while I'm driving. Got it. Okay. Well, we, we may be able to definitely figure that out. So, just a heads up. But thank you very much, Daniel. Uh, I appreciate it. To all those listening, thank you for tuning in. We do greatly appreciate it. Any thoughts or questions you have, please feel free. Hashtag AskATB. Hashtag Just Ask Bo. 
Um, Danny, we got to get you a hashtag, buddy. Hashtag Golden Nuggets, baby. There we go. Hashtag <laughs> Golden Nuggets. Uh, I'm going to have to start using that one. Yeah, I like it. I like it, man. So, anyway, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the show, everyone. And we will talk to you next week. We out. We out.